Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Today we're discussing page 36 of Alien Hunger. Today we're going to reach the halfway point of our list of seven must-miss locations in Denver, Colorado. But first, we got to wrap up some old business. We were talking last time about the United National Bank of Denver, where vampire Louis Pasteur hoarded his copy of Action Comics number one. This raises many questions, as I pointed out last time. Really doesn't seem to have a place in this story, introducing an item like this uh, with no context and no point. It's extremely specific to mention, though. And this is where we're going to get into some speculation. And it involves the journals of Louis Pasteur, which we also found in the safety deposit box. These kind of lay out the timeline of Louis Pasteur's undeath from his perspective. Now, you can only read these notebooks if you've got a character in the group who speaks French. There are 10 volumes of these notebooks. They span the last 100 years. The journals start on September 30th, 1895, which was the night when Louis Pasteur arose from the dead, threw aside his human name, of Louis Pasteur and took on the name Jean Reginaud, which he knew would be the first of many pseudonyms. Basically, the journals conveyed that Pasteur is sure vampirism is just a disease like any other and spent a lot of time studying it, tracking it, figuring out where it crops up, etc. However, and this is where we actually get onto page 36, about five years into Pasteur's existence among the damned, Pasteur starts mentioning a figure called He with a capital H, which is a, a shadowy evil figure of some kind that is like foiling Pasteur, harassing Pasteur. He's trying to get Pasteur to stop doing his research. Following the diaries all the way to the near past, you'll find, quote, the diaries mention a relocation two years ago from his then base in Boston to Denver. This jibes with the research characters may have done on Prester. Within the last six months, the journals start mentioning Roger Liverman, science jaguar himself, who was hired by Pasteur to assist him with some lab stuff, give him access to some um, lab facilities that Pasteur doesn't have. In the very recent past, Pasteur mentions that he's in danger. There's, there's a threat. Something is wrong. He needs allies. And, quote, he agonized over the decision, but his conviction that it was only temporary soothed him somewhat. He gives reasons for the selection of the characters. If you are using the pre-generated characters, there are comments in their descriptions about why Prester chose them. Disagree? I don't think those rise to the level of reasons, but uh, we'll see when we get there. It says in the last entry of the journals, Pasteur decides firmly, yes, I'm going to go ahead and turn these people into vampires. I need vampire friends to watch my vampire back. Quote, the last entry in the diary is dated one week before the fire and reads, now I'm quoting Pasteur within the quote, I am certain he has followed me again. I require help and can delay no longer. I hope they will forgive me, but it is of the highest importance and I have no choice. So these are not huge revelations, right? Especially because we had the whole thing about Louis Pasteur's past. We knew he was looking for a cure for vampirism. We knew that he faked his own death, et cetera, et cetera. We knew about his adult bully, Thad. What was of interest to me is the timeline and the geography. Something about this just seemed really specific and really weird to me. So I looked into it and I found something. It may have to do with why the author put this in the book, or it may be a complete coincidence. I was out there searching for meaning, searching for a pattern within the meaningless chaos that is alien hunger. And, uh, and I just kind of, along the way, I sort of made my own center just sort of to save myself from the Tempest. Here's what I found. And I'm quoting now from notes I took at the time. This, Action Comics 1, seems completely random and probably would seem that way to players. 
here's the thing. Probably the best copy of Action Comics number one in real life comes from a famous Denver, Colorado comic books collection called the Church Collection. There was this illustrator who lived in the Denver area who had a huge amount of comics, which he apparently bought along with a bunch of other like periodicals and stuff for um, art reference purposes. And he kept them in like a basement or whatever. They're extremely well-preserved. Most of them like never opened, just a treasure trove of old comics in great condition. And one of those comics is the best known copy of Action Comics number one. Now, in real life, the church collection was purchased by Chuck Rosansky, who is the owner of Mile High Comics which is a you know well-known, venerable comics retailer uh, founded in 1969, kind of breaking ground in that market. In 1984, one source I saw said 1992, I don't know. Uh, we get the appearance of, and I, am, I promise I'm not making it up, a shadowy comic book collector known as The Dentist. He purchased that Action Comics number one copy for $25,000, and he has held on to it ever since. He doesn't allow his books to be graded, uh, which means that people just speculate as to the condition of that action comics. But according to those who saw it at the time, it, it was in better condition than other copies of action comics. One that are out there. There are not a lot of really excellent copies of action comics. Number one. And I think this has to be that one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Denver where the comic originally came from where mile high is the comic was purchased by a shadowy collector and people aren't allowed to see it. It's an unbelievably good condition. This has got to be that Action Comics number one. So what is it doing in the possession of Louis Pasteur? This depends on when Louis Pasteur got to the Denver area, uh, because the dentist isn't based in Denver. And we know that Pasteur relocated to Denver from Boston only a couple of years ago. So that puts his arrival in Denver no earlier than 1988. However, remember the delicious s'more woman, Mavis Jackson? We haven't gotten into a lot of stuff about her yet, but we're going to find out when we read about her character a little bit uh, later that she's a librarian. She works in the rare book section at a library, and that's sort of why he thought she would be an asset. So he was someone who, who used and or collected rare books. He did have contacts with rare books people who could help him out. And also, uh, a fact from real life, Louis Pasteur was an artist in addition to being like one of the great scientists ever. It's possible that Pasteur found out about the existence of this comic in Denver and either made the trip or was somehow able to do it remotely and purchased Action Comics back in 1988, even though he was in Boston at the time. So it could be done. He could learn about it and he could buy it. The question is, why would he? And here's my theory. I think Louis Pasteur was a World's Fair guy. I think he went to the exhibition in 1900 in Paris. I think Thaddeus was there too, his vampire bully Thad. We're going to find out that Thad is he's very old and he's kind of obsessed with uh, Greek and Roman religion, like what we think of now as, as Greek and Roman myth. The 1900 exhibition was also the site of the Olympics. And so Thaddeus would have a reason to be there. It may be at this World's Fair where Thaddeus found out about Louis Pasteur and found out that he was trying to create a cure for vampirism. It makes sense. Like both of them in Paris for reasons that make total sense, right? Louis Pasteur is a scientist doing research on all kinds of stuff, trying to like crack this insoluble scientific problem. Thad obsessed with the Greek and Roman gods. And now the Olympics are coming back, which is huge if you remember the Olympics from before. Giant nostalgia boner, no doubt, on Thaddeus. Only BCE kids will remember the Olympics. So it makes total sense that they're there, they run into each other, and this is where Thad starts chasing Pasteur. Uh, by 1939 to 1940, it makes sense that uh, Louis Pasteur is in New York. We know that he's making his way toward you know where he will 
ultimately end up where he was always destined to go, Denver, Colorado. He's in Boston by 1988. He was in Paris in 1900. I think it's fair to place him in the vicinity of New York in 1939, 1940. And there in New York in 1939, 40, there was the New York World's Fair. This is a place where Pasteur could go to learn about the new technology of television, among other things. A, a huge fair for like introducing new technology, new scientific ideas, which Pasteur would have been hungry for in his pursuit of a cure for vampirism and just his general interest in the progress of science. Now, here's what I suggest. I suggest that while he's at the New York World's Fair, Louis Pasteur runs into New York's World Fair Comics number two, which introduces him to Batman and Superman. It was a special comic put out specifically for the World's Fair. Now, I'm not even going to posit to you that Louis Pasteur buys World's Fair Comics number two. I think he runs into it. I think he sees it. He's aware that it exists. It's being pushed there. It's like a limited run special book for the special event. He just remembers it. That's all. He sees Superman. He sees Batman. He remembers it exists. Maybe he kind of takes a passing interest in like the design, whatever. He, you know, he's an artist. Not that these books are like, you know, pinnacles of craftsmanship in the art department, but the designs are interesting. The format is interesting. Anyway, perhaps more importantly, it's a fragile limited edition document, which is going to click with him because of his interest in rare books. And on a practical level, he probably has a category in his mind for like fragile documents that if you get your hands on them and keep them over vampire lengths of time, then they become really valuable. You can sell them later and buy, you know, and you can sell them later for lots of money. People love old shit. Vampires are ideally situated to profit from that. So I'm not suggesting he bought it. What I'm saying is if he didn't buy it and it was a rare comic that was only available at the fair and he didn't buy it, he would have his feelers out for rare and fragile books later as strong investments. He saw that book and he didn't buy it. So he's talking to his rare books people. He's always interested in a rare book that like not a lot of them exist and they tend to deteriorate. So that's an investment opportunity for a prudent vampire. When Mavis Jackson of Denver, Colorado tells him, listen, there's a copy of Action Comics number one, you know, with Superman here in Denver, he's going to think back to the World's Fair where he was introduced to the character of Superman in a limited edition book that rose steeply in value that he didn't pick up at the time. Now, of course, he's going to do whatever he needs to do to, to call Denver, to go to Denver and get that Action Comics number one, which, which may be what started his interest in the city of Denver, Colorado, and ultimately led to his death. So you heard it here first, Superman killed Louis Pasteur. Not on purpose but I'm sure he still feels guilty about it because he's a great guy. Now, all of this requires us to reconstruct where Louis Pasteur was and when and what his motives were, which requires information from his journals, which we will only get if we make our way to the bank, acquire the safety deposit box, and then have a character who reads French and can spend hours on reading minutiae about the life of Louis Pasteur. I think the dumbest thing on this page is the fact that there is so much information, like assuming they didn't read the journals, Certainly within the scope of like the adventure as it was played, like the scene to scene adventure, Vampire Drama Club had no fucking idea about like Thad, him chasing Louis Pasteur around, the long-term project to create a vampiric cure. All of that went straight over their heads because it's all hidden away behind all these layers of obfuscation. There's a whole backstory here for no reason revealed only in places that the characters won't and shouldn't go because ultimately, while Action Comics number one is interesting, the bank is boring. Don't go to the bank. With that, we finally reach the halfway point on our list of seven must-miss Denver, Colorado locations, and we don't have time to say a goddamn thing about it. Join me next time as we discuss Edward's House, a place where not much is happening until you go there, which you won't, on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. 
New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time.